Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Genesis 35 and 36. Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. We have already observed the biblical contrast between Jacob and Esau, and even talked about how this was orchestrated by God. And today, in these chapters, we are going to see that even though God blessed Jacob and loved Jacob and chose Jacob and rejected Esau before they were born, before they had done anything right or wrong, that blessing will then show a difference even in their lives that we will see even in this world in their time in this world and somewhat in their legacies in this world, there was a difference. And I hope it will be an encouraging study to you as you read Genesis 35 and 36. Now, Genesis 36 is a genealogy uh, really of Esau. It's the generations of Esau. And there's not a ton of comment in there. And so before you just kind of zip through chapter 36 and say, oh, another genealogy, I'll just kind of scan through this real quick and I'm done. I I would like you to think, because remember, we want to ask the question, why is this there? Why did God put this there? And that's where there is a a lot of discussion about that. Uh, Sometimes the text makes it pretty clear. This one may be a little harder to decipher, but I think it has some connection to do as we uh, come to Jacob here and the death of Isaac. I, I think it's, again, showing that contrast between Jacob and Esau. Now, quickly, just commenting on some things uh, in this chapter. It's interesting. God calls him back to Bethel, which is a significant place. We'll talk more about that. And there's an interaction with God there at Bethel. But then we read about the death of Rachel as she is giving birth to Benjamin. And notice that she names him Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. Uh, my principal growing up would often call me Benoni uh, based off of this passage, son of my sorrow. I, I am somewhat thankful that my actual name is Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. And we'll see more even how Benjamin was favored by his father, kind of along with Joseph. Rachel was the wife whom he loved, and so he favored the children there and like we will see uh, elsewhere in Genesis, this favoritism is never helpful. And just as a side note, if there's favoritism in your house, I guarantee you it will not be helpful. There's kind of an aside comment, but it's one that's significant uh, that talks about Reuben going and laying with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Now, like we saw with Simeon and Levi and their vengeance uh, against Shechem and Uh, vengeance on behalf of Dinah and how that anger gets them removed. Genesis 49 from really the favor, the favored position. The same will go for Reuben here. Reuben is actually the firstborn son of Jacob. So you would think the line is going to go through him, but here's the reason why it will not. It will end up going through 
Judah. And then we read about the death of Isaac at 180 years. So another chapter closing in the life of a patriarch. And then we get into chapter 36 and Esau's descendants. Now I want to draw out four contrasts today as we consider Jacob and Esau. And I hope these things will be encouraging to you. The first is that Jacob was blessed and Esau was not. And now we've talked about Romans 9 and the significance of, of that, that that was ultimately God's sovereign decision before either of them were born. But we also see how that played out in life and how uh, Isaac ends up blessing Jacob instead of Esau. And we even noted when we looked at that passage how Isaac, even though he favored Esau, he accepted really what God was doing in that moment. And he knew, no, Jacob is going to be blessed. And one contrast that we're going to see here that I'll I'll play out is Esau doesn't seem to immediately be doing very bad. It talks about all of his possessions. He, He seems to, from a worldly perspective, be doing pretty well. But one thing we will see again and again in the Bible is it doesn't matter. If you have everything that the world could offer you if you do not have God's blessing. Now, Jacob is blessed, Esau is not, and it's much better to have God's blessing, even if you have nothing in the world, than to not have God's blessing and have everything in the world. And that's where obviously the Bible talks about that that was God's choice, but the Bible does make it very clear from a human perspective. And this is where we want to overthink this and over theologize this to, to pit these truths against each other. But the Bible calls us to the place of God's blessing. The Bible calls us to humble ourselves. The Bible makes it clear again and again, God resists the proud, but he gives grace. He blesses the humble. The Bible tells us how to be right with God, to be in a right relationship with God that will involve the blessing of God and is through repentance, turning from our sin and putting our faith in Christ. Have you done that? Have you humbled yourself, repented of your sin and put your faith in Christ? That is the path to the blessing of God. And it is better to have done that and to be in a right relationship with God than to have all the money in the world and anything else that comes along with that. Jacob was blessed, Esau was not. Now, that didn't translate necessarily to immediate things. We see Jacob very much presented still as a pilgrim, and we start to see Esau in chapter 36 presented as a leader of a kingdom. I mean, if you look at this, it talks about his sons, but then it gets into the, the chiefs of the sons of Esau. And then even later in the chapter, it gives us the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the Israelites. So Esau goes across kind of on the other side of the Dead Sea, and it seems that he is building the, the foundation of a kingdom. Meanwhile, Jacob is still living in tents, and by the end of Genesis, Jacob's not going to be leading any sort of kingdom building in the promised land. No, all of his descendants will go spend four centuries in the land of Egypt, where they will end up as slaves. So, you you see, in the moment, 
things may not actually seem to be going as well for Jacob as they are for Esau. But it would be better to have the blessing of God and to be a pilgrim than it would be to not have the blessing of God and build a kingdom. That's another contrast that we see. Another contrast that we see is that Jacob is seeking God. It does not use any of this language to describe Esau really anywhere in Genesis, but you see the power of this time at Bethel. And look at even what God tells him to do, put away, or he tells him to go up to Bethel and that God who appeared to you there, and you need to make an altar to God. And Jacob then tells his household, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may there make an altar to the God. Listen to how he describes God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. That's what God has promised him, even going back to that first appearance at Bethel. And now you see Jacob really confessing the faithfulness of God and pointing to the truth of God's promises and even giving God credit for these things. And then they go and God appears to him again and reaffirms this name change, no longer Jacob, but Israel, and then reaffirms a lot of the elements of the Abrahamic covenant to him there. And Jacob sets up a pillar, a pillar of stone and pours a drink offering on it. So you see Jacob is someone that is now seeking God and walking with God and worshiping God through building an altar and giving credit to God for his faithfulness to him. We don't see any of that in the life of Esau. And even just as you look at Esau's family again, you're reminded that he took Canaanite wives, which is not what clearly his parents wanted to do and not the pattern that we see really that seems to match up with God's desire for the patriarchs. And we're reminded of what the New Testament will say about Esau, that he was a sexually immoral guy who was willing to trade his birthright for a bowl of stew. Esau is not exemplary in any of that. No, Jacob is not perfect either. We've clearly seen that, but now we see he is seeking God. Well, that seems to be absent from the life of Esau. And finally, we will see a contrast that Jacob is settled in the promised land, but Esau ends up going outside the promised land. And while immediately that may have looked like a better choice for Esau, it would better to be a pilgrim in the promised land than to be a king on the outside. So we see a lot of the contrasts here. And even if I could just sum them up in one thought that I hope encourages you, it would be measure your life, engage your life by your pursuit of the Lord not by success in the eyes of the world. Esau, he ended up seemingly being somewhat of a success in this ancient world, but he didn't have the blessing of God. He wasn't seeking God. He wasn't living in the land of promise, and that's not what we should want. So I hope this encourages you to pursue the Lord. And to let thoughts of, well, you know, success or worldly riches or worldly possessions fade away and say, well, what I really want is the blessing of God. What I really want is to be seeking God. And I don't care if I'm living in a palace or in tents. What I care is, do I have the Lord? And I hope that's a lesson that is driven home as we 
think through this contrast between Jacob and Esau. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.